Welcome to All About Ours, QPR's one and only official club podcast. I'm Simon Cheshire and I'm delighted to be joined once again by Andy Sinton. Join us as we discuss what has been a tough few months for the Ours, which has seen a run of defeats followed by the departure of Neil Critchley. However, the arrival of Gareth Ainsworth will hopefully look to ignite the stuttering super hoops. Since, welcome back to Softers Road and thanks for joining me as always. How are we? How are you doing? Um, I'm good. Uh, good to see you. Um, yeah, it's been a tough month or so, or a couple of months, but uh, is what it is. Um, big couple of months ahead, big games ahead. You're still smiling despite what has been a tough period for QPR, isn't it? It's been a horrible couple of months, let's be fair. Um, you know, results, performances, change of manager again. Um, but you know what? We know exactly where we are. We know what we have to do. We've got some massive games ahead of us. We have to roll our sleeves up. We have to fight like hell to get uh, points in uh, in every game uh, and see where we are at the end of the season. We'll, we'll get straight to it. We'll cover it all from the defeats to the, the optimism now that now Gareth Ainsworth is back. But first of all, we last spoke just after the Reading away game, where obviously we'd come down from two goals down. We'd saw the impact of Jamal Lowe, who just arrived from Bournemouth. And where's that optimism sort of gone that we had as we left the Select Carlisle Stadium? Well, you know, football's a really strange game. Um, moments and games can decide. So you mentioned the Reading game. We were 2 0 then. Um, come back to 2 2. You think that's going to give us. You know the real confidence. We go into the next game against Swansea, and I thought we, I thought we played well. Um, and let's have it right. We should have won that game. Uh, we go one nil up. Jamal scores another, or uh, scores his first goal. Sorry, uh, really good team goal. Uh, we're the better team. Uh, we have two glorious opportunities to put the game to bed. Uh, we don't take them. And the nature of football when you're on a bad run, Swansea start to push us back with 20 minutes to go and. Score ten minutes ago with a really well worked equaliser, but I, I left that game thinking you know performance, large part of that performance was good. Um, we should have won the game, but we, uh, we didn't. Um, but yeah, but coming from two 0 two nil down at Reading to get a point, the performance level against Swansea where you should have won, you you start to think things were on the turn, but uh, wasn't to be. And then that was followed up defeats to Hull on the road. We had long trips, didn't we? We had Hull, Huddersfield. We obviously welcomed Millwall and Sunderland in a busy week here in W12, followed by a defeat to Middlesbrough. As a supporter, there's long trips, big sacrifices to go to places like that, and the performance didn't quite warrant their support that they had. Well, the support we've had from the fans has been absolutely amazing, uh, home and away, you know, but those long trips, you know, we... Um, uh, Abbott Hull... Let's not dress it up. And let's not hide behind it. You know, we were we were pretty poor up at Hull, uh, comprehensively beaten, um, poor performance individually and collectively, and got exactly what we deserved. Then we go to Huddersfield, um, who you know are fighting for their lives at the time. Uh, we go a goal up again with Jamal, uh, capitalises on a mistake, and I really thought Huddersfield they were nervous, they were jittery. That opening thirty thirty five minutes, I think they were there for the taking. Uh, you know, we forced corners and stuff like that, but never really worked their goalkeeper enough. Their their first meaningful attack of the game uh, was a free kick, edge of the box. The fella hits it with his left foot, said he makes a save, but they're first to react and they get back to 1-1. Uh, so you go in a half-time, disappointed that you're going in level pegging. 
Second half, I thought Huddersfield came stronger than us. Substitutes they made made an impact. Um, but having said that, we could have nicked it late on when we had two good breakaways and just the final pass, the final cross, decision-making. Um, could have been better and you, you, you could have nicked that game. But, uh, you know, never underestimate a point on the road. So we, we come away from Huddersfield thinking, OK, right. There's a point on the board. Now we've got two home games to come. Can we capitalise on those? And uh, over to you. <laughs> we'll start off with the Millwall game. Millwall at home is always a tough opposition to come up against, isn't it? You know exactly what you're going to get from a... About being disrespectful to Millwall, but the Gary Routes side especially, they're going to be in your face, making everything difficult for you, aren't they? And... They did exactly that in the end. But if you had the confidence that we, from the performance that we had at the Den, you come into this one with a bit of optimism that if we can sort of pull ourselves together, we can get a performance off against them. Well, London derby against Millwall, you know, it was a terrific atmosphere inside the stadium. Both sets of fans made it really uh, noisy. Millwall, I think you've just touched on, you know, having another really good season under Gary Rowett. He's... They have a way of playing, uh, and they're very good at what they do. Um, you know, there's no, there's no right and wrong how you how you play football. Millwall, you know, they play with high energy. They denied a space in the middle of the park. Uh, we conceded halfway through the first half, where we got caught and got exposed. A couple of players out of position as they as they broke. What more emphatic finish? Um, so you go in a half time and you're thinking, right? Just to jump in, jump a few pages forward. It's just come into my mind why you said exactly that. With the arrival of Gareth Ainsworth, yep. is a Millwall side sort of the sort of team that we want to be looking towards? And you see what they've achieved under Gary Rower, and is that. I know I'm jumping a few pages and we'll cover it in a bit more detail yeah, yeah. later on. Well, but Millwall, if you go back to Millwall, they uh, they they have a way of playing and um, they're, they're good at it. Um, they don't concede a great deal, certainly at home anyway. Um, I don't think they're the prettiest football side in the division, but you know, if they're fifth in the league, which they are, they're doing something right. And what do you want? Do you want a do you want a team who's has sixty, seventy passes and you know dominates possession by seventy five percent of the game, but hardly creates a chance? Or do you want a team who got a way of playing, work extremely hard on set plays, um, and get results? I suppose that's what you want, you know. So. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure we'll come to Gareth in a second, but going back to that Millwall game, you know, you're 1-0 down, you're well in the game. Second goal for me, that we consider is an absolute disaster. Absolute disaster. It's really poor defending. Um, and that's why sometimes I feel for coaches and management, you know, because it comes from a set play again, uh, which we haven't been very good at um, over the last couple of years, by the way, uh, not just any one particular manager. But, you know, they have a long throw down here. It wasn't such a long throw, actually. It didn't come right into the middle. A flick on. We've got three players in the middle of the six-yard box. That's where you need someone to take charge of situations, to to take ownership, to show leadership and just go and clear it, you know. Uh, I'd rather one of our players scored an own goal um, have trying to deal with it properly than how we conceded the goal, you know, a little bit of a, a timid header, false to... Oliver Burke and he'll never have a simpler goal, you know. So, uh, so that was real disappointing, you know, because you're two 0 down, you've got a mountain to climb. I think Chris Martin, who I, I know we're going to speak about coming into the club, comes on, ruffles a few feathers, which is probably what we're not great at, but probably will get better at. 
He comes on, scores a great goal, great flick from a good cross from Elias. Then we start to throw the kitchen sink at Millwall without really working the goalkeeper. That wasn't to be. And let's face it, Ollie Burke should make the game 3-1. He breaks through. So no one likes to lose a, a home game. No one likes to lose a London derby. No one likes to be on the type of run that we're in and we're on. But you know, there's no hiding place. You you have to you have to suck it up. You have to puff, puff your chest out. You have to meet the challenge. You can't go hiding. You can't go missing. Um, so yeah, so that was disappointing Millwall. Then we come back here on a Tuesday night against Sunderland. No. The dreaded return of a former player comes back to haunt us once again, doesn't it? With Jack Clark popping up with yeah, it's quite ironic, you know. There, you know, you, you you get these sort of scripts and stories. You know, Jack Clark, young kid, promising player, uh, didn't have the best of times when he came here on loan. He's in good form at the minute, and was you know Sunderland. They came here, they're in good form, but again, you know, not much in the game. I think the first goal is poor from us. We we lose the first contact again from a set play. Um, Seni. I'm sure he doesn't mind me saying what we have to say. It should do better with it. Oh nine scores from two yards unopposed, and yeah, you you're going in again a a goal behind. And when you're on a poor run, you know it's it can be tough places. But yeah, you have to come out fighting. And I thought the second half against Sunderland, I thought we did. Um, you know, we were probably enjoying our best spell of the game. That was a massive turning point in the game. We get a penalty. Ilias steps up, no blame attached to Ilias, you know, best players in the world miss penalties, Ilias takes it, elects to go straight down the middle, the keepers committed themselves one way, but sticks his trailing leg out, keeps it out, and you just, that's the sort of run that we're on where things aren't going against you, and the game went away from us after that, I think that sort of deflated everyone, uh, Jack Clark scores too late on. Up to that point, as in the same in the Millwall game, the atmosphere at Loftus Road, the fans have stuck by the team and they've, I know it's a cliche, but they've always been there behind their back cheering them on. As I said, Simon, I think the fans have been phenomenal, outstanding, you know, the backing they're giving the team. Let's face it, difficult circumstances, the run that we're on is is really, really poor, but they come here. No fan comes here wanting to see their team lose. No fan wants to come here and see their team Underperform, so they come with hope and expectation. Um, but they've just been going away far too many times, disappointed in the last couple of months of both the manner of defeats in certain games. Uh, certainly, a couple of ways you know, I could throw Fleetwood in that was a really poor, horrible day. Hull away, and you never like to lose in front of your own fans. But um, I say, fans backing has been brilliant, and I thank them for that. And again, we saw hundreds of QPR fans going up to the Riverside for the long trip to Middlesbrough with a performance that, again, probably didn't warrant the long trip that they made up there. They probably went home very disappointed. Middlesbrough, you know, Middlesbrough under Michael Carrick were going like a train. They were the form team of the division. They'd just come off the back of a a tremendous 3-1 win at uh, Sheffield United in the midweek. I think I said with Nick on comms, you know, I, I thought that could work against Middlesbrough. This was before the game uh, because I think they expended so much emotion and energy beating Sheffield United away to close that gap. Um, I thought, you know, what well, could this be the right time to play Middlesbrough? And the first half, I thought Middlesbrough hardly strung two passes together. We were the team in the ascendancy. You know, 
I wouldn't say we worked uh, the goalkeeper a great deal, but we forced probably more corners and goalmate action in that period of the game where Middlesbrough were well off it. Sam Field has a great chance just before half-time that I think he strikes it and it comes off someone's back and you know, when you're on a good run, that'll go in the, the opposite corner. When you're not on a good run, it goes out for a corner and nothing comes of it. So uh, so we went in nil-nil. I think we had acquitted ourselves really well. But I knew, and again, I was sitting alongside Nick and I said to Nick, Middlesbrough will come out all guns blazing. And they did. Senny has to make a great save in the first to- uh, couple of minutes, two minutes, low to his right-hand side. And Middlesbrough, I think, then started to show what a good side uh, they are and the form that they're on, you know... Um, Having said that, the goals that we conceded were disappointing. You know, the the first one, Akpom, league's top scorer. Gets a free header, 10 yards out, 8 yards out, 9 yards out, whatever it is. You know, we're, we have to see the run better. We have to track the run and we got to get contact, but we did none of that. So you 1-0 down. Then we have a really promising attack on the edge of their box where we're probably inches away from threading one of our players through. That gets cut out, it breaks... We miss a tackle on the halfway line where if I'm in that situation, I've got two options. I have to win the ball. If I don't win the ball, I have to make contact with the player. You cannot not do both. Uh, we didn't. Tim's let the guy get a run on him. He does great to recover the ground. Makes a tackle. Minimum contact, but he's given the referee a decision. Penalty. Akpon sets up. Senny saves it. This is where the... <laughs> The rub of the green goes, the is rebound it, falls straight to in him. In that situation, is it luck? Or, I you know, you create your own luck in football. Of course you do, but yeah. Is that just, things are going against you here and you, you might as well just bury it. I've, I've, I've been in the game a long, long time and I can tell you, when things are going well for you personally or as a team, you tend to get the rub of the green or the bounce of the ball. When things are going badly for you, you always think, you know, what has that decision gone against us? Can we... You know, was that a little bit harsh, etc., etc. And you know, Senny saves the free, uh, the the penalty. You know, that could go three yards to the right, three yards to the left, and we probably get there first, but it goes straight back to Akpom. Two nil, big big mountain to climb after that. Given Middlesbrough, you know, um, didn't think we created a great deal that day. Well, don't think I know we didn't create a great deal. We get back into the game with a lifeline. Ilias's free kick. Quite audacious, actually, when you think where he was, distance he was. You ever thought of doing something like that? So. You <laughs> see a, the keeper eyeing up. I said, I've scored a, I've scored a, little, uh, a chip or a lob before, but nothing like that because from the angle he was, one that takes great vision to to see that and assess that. Then you need the ability and the the technique to e- execute what he did. Goalkeeper wouldn't cover himself with glory. I'm sure he'll be disappointed. But from Ilias's point, it'd be brilliant. Then you think, you know what, we've got five five minutes added, you know, could we do what we did against Sunderland earlier in the season where yeah. with three minutes ago you're two 0 down and you something quite strange happens. But within two minutes of Elisa's goal McGree makes a three one, game puts the bed. Um if you're Neil Critchley at that time or supporters in the stand, is that more for is that the third goal more frustrating than conceding the penalty? Because just get back into the game, yeah. albeit through a piece of audacious brilliance from Ilias, but you just get back into yeah, it yeah. and then you throw yeah, it away. Yeah, it's gone away. Yeah, very frustrating because, you know, you you, you have the clock ticking against you. And I think Neil Critchley said, you know, he, he sent Jimmy Dunn up because, 
you're in last chance saloon basically you know you've got to make something happen but because of that we got caught we got exposed um, in behind down the side square ball McGree at the far post who was uh, pretty impressive that day uh, scores and you you come away thinking okay we've been we've been beat again I thought we equipped ourselves really well the first half but the second half went away from us um, and middles were showed the difference between the two teams and why they're on a good run and we're on a really poor run to be fair but uh but yeah, and obviously I know we're going to discuss it. That proved to be Neil Critchley's uh, yeah. final game in charge. Yeah, it was. We, as you just said, that was Neil Critchley's final game. And we're not hit, sit here to say was it the right decision, was it the wrong decision. All we can do is reflect on his period as QPR head coach. And ultimately, we won one game under him, and that was the, the victory at Preston in his opening game. And things didn't improve today and things on the field we've we've gone through a tough season at QPR and we've Neil Critchley's departure isn't wasn't hugely shocking was it it was almost inevitable well, when the results aren't going that yeah, way well first of all I'd say I think um, now I'm not sticking up for Neil in any shape or form you know um, I think Neil came in at a difficult time for everybody you know when he came in when the team hadn't won for six five of them were under the previous manager uh, Mick Beale, who decided to to leave um, in those six games I think we had only scored one goal we got one point which was away at Norwich where I thought we played quite well actually But uh, so Neil comes in at a difficult time because I think the manner of Mick Beale's departure I think deflated everybody um, whether off the field fans in the dressing room it, it obviously had an effect and you know that's there for everyone to see But uh, How difficult is that as a player that period of instability when a manager that has brought you in has departed new manager comes in may have a different way idea or a different way of thinking different way of well, that's a really that's a really good question actually because it, it it does affect people and i think you know the more at the time i didn't like the departure if i can say that uh, the more I reflect on it I, I even more don't like the departure um and how it sort of came out. It also coincided with a World Cup break. So there was a, as well as, uh, yeah, your coach going in the manner in which you went, uh, the break, uh, having to appoint a new manager, uh, Paul Hall having to take one game as interim uh, head coach. You know, so it was a week after that, Neil came in. Um, as I said, difficult time, but he was brought in with the intention. At that time, we were playoff contenders. Um, and if you look at Neil's record, um, you know, and I include the cup game in that, played 10, won one, drawn five, lost six, uh, eight, eight points in 11 games, you know, um, was was poor to say the least. And I, I, I don't think I know, and it's there for everyone to see. The board then felt after the Middlesbrough game, it was time to, it was time to act. What I do know about Neil, um, spoke to him a couple of times briefly, um, He's got a really good reputation as a as a coach, and he's a really good guy. From what I'm told, works incredibly hard. Um, again, from what I'm told, and sometimes you know, as a manager at a certain club, it just doesn't fit. It's like a player, you know, um, and that has to be the case. But I'm sure Neil will get back into the game soon, and if he does, along with uh, you know his coaches Mike and Ian, we at QBR certainly wish him and them all the very best in their in their future careers, wherever that takes them. You know.
you know, Lee said in exactly the same in his statement when we announced his departure that he's sure he'll go on and have success elsewhere. Who's hard work. I was lucky. I was fortunate enough to be at a community event uh, earlier in the year, and Neil and his coaching staff came along just for just to see local children playing football and local boys getting into the sport and just to cast their eye over them and that sunned him up. Yeah. Just because results didn't go very well on the field doesn't mean. And you know, you 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 look at some of those games. You know, you started off well at Preston. You know, one nil away. You know, um, defended really, really well. Uh, it's a good win away. You go to Cardiff. We didn't play well on Boxing Day, but you come away with a point and another clean sheet. Um, but from then, it seemed to go downhill. The, the Luton game here, you know, three nil. No one likes to lose at home, but you get well beaten by one of your rivals. And a couple of the performances, I think. I would say we're pretty unacceptable from a team point of view. And I mentioned the Fleetwood game and the whole game. On the flip side of that, very unlucky not to beat Sheffield United when they score in the 96th minute. And you, I've already discussed the Swansea game. We should have won. So, you know, you beat Sheffield United, who knows? You you, you, you beat Swansea, who knows? But that's 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 football. It's all ifs, buts and maybes. And Neil, any manager, and I've been there myself, you know, you know that if your results aren't where they need to be and your performance levels aren't, Getting your results, there's only going to be one outcome, and it's it's horrible to see a, a manager or a head coach lose his job. It's horrible to see it when they lose their job at your club, certainly after so little time in charge. But because of the manner of the run, the performances, the lack of creativity, the board felt they had to act. And that has coincided shortly after with the arrival of, or the return of Gareth Ainsworth, someone that. Instantly, you saw on his first game, the crowd was already not got back on QBR's level terms, but you could see the lift it gave everyone. His first day at the training ground, you could see the lift it gave the players. They're very different characters, different styles, and his Ainsworth's sort of style, is that what we need at this very moment in time to get us out of what's been a... I think so. Uh, I really think so. I think he's the type of personality that can pull people together, can galvanise you. And let's face it, you know, if you look at the run, we won 1-19 and or 1-18 and before Gareth's first game, you know. So he's he's coming into a club or a team that's uh, on a horrendously bad run. Um, you know, some of the stats I've got written in front of me ready for Saturday's game, you know, aren't nice reading or viewing. Uh, but it is what it is, you know. But Gareth, what I would say with Gareth, he's earned the right to be here. You know, it's um, once he had 12 years as a, as a manager at Wickington, Exceptional at Wickham, you know, given where they were when he first went in there to where he, he took them. I know they're pretty much back in the league below ours, you know, but uh, vastly experienced, 550-odd games as a manager, you know. Um, he's had a couple of promotions. You know, he's well-loved here from his time as a player. So in answer to your question, is he right for what we need at the minute? Yeah, I do. Um I think instantly give everyone a lift at the training ground, that bubbly, infectious, outgoing personality. You know, he's brought his coach in, uh, Richard with him from, from Wickham, who's QER fan as, uh, as well, knows the club. Uh, good coach from what I'm told, brought his an, uh, analyst in. So uh, so he's got, he's got people around him who he can trust, which I think is uh, really, really important. But he's earned the right to be here. Um, give the place a lift but Gareth will know there's big big work to be done and the first thing he's got to get he's got to get those players believing in themselves and somehow some way 
finding a way to win a game. And I don't give a monkey, I don't care how we do that. We just have to find a way to get three points on the board. And I think that will give everyone a, a, a huge lift on and off the pitch. And if we... We'll go in detail about the Blackboard game shortly. Yeah. But straight away you saw from the team, you could see in the stands the, num- the sheer number of players that are out at the moment with injuries. We saw Ilias coming off in the game with a hamstring injury, which is a, a worrying sign. But also we've had Lyndon Dykes with his illness, which thankfully he's back at the training ground now and we don't know when, when we'll see him back, but it's good to see him back in, yeah. in QPR training kit and back to see him back in uh, Heston. Yeah. Um, but that's coincided with the arrival of Chris Martin, who's brought a lot of experience to the team and obviously will be a striker that I'm sure Gareth Ainsworth will enjoy working with. That's just been a rough end of the stick that Neil Critchley's had to deal with and now Gareth Ainsworth has walked into that, hasn't he, Mayor? Yeah, the, you know, the injury situation is uh, you know, well documented. I think we've got eight or nine probably, what you would say, starters, if I can, if I can actually say that. People who would ordinarily be in your start 11 now that's that's probably tough for any team at any level um, but that's what we've had we seem to get a lot of similar issues soft tissue injuries we seem to get some reoccurrences of injuries so I'm sure previous managers will have to deal with that Garrett will come in and look at that and it's something we may need to <clears throat> to really assess and get to the bottom of why those are happening you know but uh, yeah Neil certainly had a, a, a tough gig with that, you know, with the injuries that were out and, and Gareth the same. But you know what? <laughs> it, sorry to say, it is what it is. Um, but you look at some of the players that we have got missing, the key players. Um, now, early in the season, we probably had a front four of Ilias Chair, Chris Willock, Tyler Roberts and Lyndon Dykes. Well, all four of them are missing at the minute um, as well as defenders etc etc so uh, so yeah an area we might need to look at but Gareth will put it this way I don't think he'll be wallowing and self-pity with that he'll realise that's that's the situation You've just got to get on with it you mentioned Lyndon you know really uh, disappointing that Lyndon you know had to go out with what he had I was at the training ground briefly last week and it was great to see him back at the training ground and he, he had his trainers on and he was doing some running and we wish Lyndon well. We need him back along with all the injured players. We need them all back. But it's important that we don't rush any of them back where they break down again and certainly Lyndon with his illness. Let's hope he gets back, he fully recovers and he's still got a big, big part to play from now at the end of the season, whenever that may be. Chris Martin coming in, as you mentioned, Chris Martin comes in on the back of Lyndon. You know, with his illness, Chris... Probably hasn't happened from him in recent months at Bristol City, but if you look at his career, brilliant career, um, vastly experienced, and that's going to be important in this running with the run that we're on, the 12 games that we've got remaining. Uh, I think sometimes you look at your experienced players to guide you because they'll have been through, maybe maybe not as bad as this, but they'll have had runs in the career where, where are some of the younger ones that might be the first time, not sure how to deal with it. But whether you're 34, 18, 19, 20, you know what? There's no hiding place for you in know, a poor run. You've got to look forward to your next game. Can't shy away from it. You've got to look forward to your next game. And you've got to believe that your next game is going to be the game that you can put in a performance, you can get a result, and that can hopefully turn you the corner. If I put an uneducated hat on, I'm not a sports scientist at all, and I fully credit the job they do and fully appreciate it, but if you're a supporter and you're seeing all of these injuries... What's the difference between 
when Andy Sinson was putting on the blue and white hoops and you felt a little bit of an injury bar and I'll carry on to your players now, your modern day player, not just here at QPR, it happens all over yeah. the world now. What's the difference? Simon, I wish I knew the answer to that question. Now it seems, you know, we had we had lesser size squads. Um games still came thick and fast. Maybe the game has got quicker, people tell me it's changed, but has it really? Um so I don't really know, but I think it's just an area where we we have to be better with because if you've got six or seven up sitting up in the stand from a, a financial point of view, that's a lot of wages being unused. And if you've got all of them are key players, if you've got your key players missing, well, your squad's going to be weaker. Um, so, yeah, it's just a... People, people might say you might have been unlucky, might have been unlucky, but we just seem to get a lot of the similar and, and a lot of reoccurrences. Off the top of my head, I know Watford have had a lot of injuries this season. And you know what? Three years, a few seasons ago, we were we were really lucky. We had a really good period where we hardly got any any injuries coming. But the last couple of years, uh, certainly under Mark, we seem to pick up a few. Uh, and this season's probably been no different. So uh, so yeah, something we just need to get better at and improve on and and look at, so we can so we can have. As many picks as we possibly can from the squad. You're always going to have one or two at at any given time, but when you got eight or nine, that's that puts a huge strain on everybody. Obviously, Blackburn on Saturday that we have already overcome. Obviously, we suffered defeat, but there was a, a period, especially when we got the equalising goal, that this is the QPR that we know and. We were chasing balls down, thinking that the goal came across the box because of some good work from Aussie down the right. And Tim got his first goal, and we saw the scenes in the lower loft and into that corner and everything. And it was there was a real, real feel good factor, but the goal just before half time seemed to deflate that, didn't it? Quite a bit. I think you've you've summed that up really, really well. You know, Blackburn. I think we saw obviously Gareth's first game. I thought the atmosphere was great. The fans were right behind uh, the team when they came out. Uh, right behind Gareth when he comes out and gives the gives the fans a wave, etc. I think opening stages of the game, you could see a real more energy in the team individually and collectively. We conceded what was it in the opening fifteen minutes, got done with a big crossfield ball. Guy comes inside, he he strikes it, gets a half deflection, and it loops up and Gallagher's there to head home. Uh, but I thought our response was really good, as you would expect with the. A new manager being in charge, you know, and the players. I thought we were energetic. We we get ourselves back in a game. Really good goal. I thought Osman Kakai got forward really well in that out in 25 minutes, put another good ball in. Falls to Tim, really calm finish. And for Tim, you know, first goal. Been a long time coming, but that'll do him. The world are good. Um, but yeah, but there was a couple of key moments in that first half, you know. I think losing Ilias was a big, big blow um, through injury. Seemed to derail us a little bit. Seemed to knock a little bit of the stuffing out of us. You know, Elise is a big, big player for us. Um, I know people might say, well, you know, hasn't scored that many lately, but you, we're a better side when Elise cheers in the team. Better side when Lyndon Dykes is in the team. You're better side when Chris Willicks in the team, etc., etc., etc. But Elise, I think, uh, was a big blow. And the second biggest moment of the game, which was I thought was the defining moment, was conceding in stoppage time in the first half. Um, you know, I just took my headphones off to to half, made a quick getaway to get on the pitch at half time for the posthumous inductions. I had to put them back on to to describe the goal. You know, but um, yeah, it's a good ball. It's a 
tidy finish, but it's it's probably poor from us to concede on a couple of things, our defending and the timing of the goal. And I think, I don't think I know, because if you look at the second half, I think that when you're on a poor run, we keep coming back to, that just took a bit of the stuff and the energy out of everyone, and I include the players, I include the fans, because uh, it just seemed to suck some of the life out of a second half. I never really thought we got going. Um, they make it 3-1 again. If you're looking at the goal we conceded, and every coach does it, you'll analyse the goal. I think we could have done a lot better. The guy's facing the Stanley Bowl stand um, with two players. He gets out of that tight situation. It's a good play from him, but it shouldn't happen. Squares it across. He's unmarked, but Gallagher's unmarked. Three yards out, easy tapping. Um, uh, you know, and the game probably then goes away from us where I thought Blackburn pretty much controlled it we hardly threatened late on Alba had a header which came off his shoulder but other than that we didn't work the goalkeeper so it was a disappointing result disappointing afternoon and that run continues but there was positives certainly in that opening period that I'm sure Gareth and he's positive anyway would have looked at and go, okay, right, we've lost the game, but can we build on that? And we've got a full week up at the training ground this week. Hopefully they'll use that really um, well, where they get some of Gareth's principles, whether that's with the ball or without the ball, into the team. And let's face it, we've got a massive game at the weekend. And you mentioned the inductions into the Forever Rs, the families. On a, a more positive note, the families of former managers Jim Smith and Don Howell here. How nice was it to see them and the reception that they got at half-time? Well, it's brilliant. You know, it goes back to the forever hours that we set up six or whatever years ago. A lot of work goes into it. Um, no club is now back in touch with all of our former players. Some we still want to get back, but for different reasons, whether it's health issues or where they live, we, we haven't been able to get back yet, but it's not for the lack of trying. Um, posthumous inductions always brilliant days but are quite sad days as well because you're you're remembering people who served the club well uh, who are sadly no longer here but to get the families back is is special it's great to hear the stories of the families and what comes through Simon all the time is how much their loved ones loved either playing, coaching or managing QPR here at Loftus Road. Uh, the fans, the uh, the atmosphere that used to be created when they were in charge. And uh, it's great when we get the families back, they get a wonderful reception and we give them a really nice day that they can go away from and saying, you know what, QPR do that really, really well. Is that the positive of QPR, isn't it? That's what we're about, isn't it? Things such as the Forever Rs as well. I know... Myself on Saturday, I had a mini media. We did our junior hoops takeover, which we do every year. That's the sort of special things that keep our or or our performances on the pitch. I haven't been yep. what we want, yep. but we still. Well, as a club, I think we do a hell of a lot right. Um, sometimes you get judged, and most of the time, or all the time, you'll get judged rightly or wrongly by what happens on a on the pitch. Um, and if you're losing games the club's going to get criticism from from every angle stuff. But I can say to our fans, you know, uh, everyone at the club's really disappointed, really disappointed with <clears throat> how things are going. We need to turn that around very, very quickly. Very quickly. Uh, when I say very quickly, I mean Saturday when we go up to Rotherham. But, you know, we still do 
a lot of good work behind the scenes. We do some exceptional work out in the community on a daily basis. So that often goes unseen. And that's part of being your football club. Of course, you want to win games. That's the most important thing. You want to be as high up on the table as you possibly can. You want to be going for playoffs and promotion. You want to be producing your own players. Uh, you want to be excited when you come down here every Saturday and or whether you travel away and see your team play. Uh, so, yeah, it's not going well for us at the minute but we still do a lot well and good behind the scenes and uh, long may that continue. Back on the field, March is a, a massive month, isn't it? We're kicking it off with the trip up to Yorkshire with Rotherham away. It's not, I don't know how to describe it. I'm, I'll be going in your way end again, cheering us on, but it's not just a big game, is it? It's almost a big game for everyone to sort of prove ourselves that do you know what we are keep your eye you know <laughs> well it's a big game it's, uh, you know three three four months ago if you had said we were going to Rotherham with 12 games to go and we're now looking over our shoulders at the wrong end of the table you know we mentioned it when Neil's departed you know we've gone from playoff candidates and good playoff candidates um, to to being in a relegation battle and I people might go you know you're still eight points clear but that's where we are now you know uh, and given the current form but we've got to embrace where we are we've got to somehow under Gareth you know win games and get as many points as soon as we can to make sure first and foremost we're we're okay and we can regroup and we can and we can go again but you know Rotherham uh, they've got a certain way of playing I watched them last night in the telly and they actually played quite well in the long periods of the game at Swansea. Uh, so that'll be a, a, a difficult game, but it's a difficult game we've got to embrace. We've got to go there believing we can win. If that if that training ground and that dressing room that Gareth's in charge of now doesn't believe we can go to Rotherham and win, well, we probably won't. Gareth will spend all week because of his nature of who he is uh, saying to the players, you know what, I believe in you, can you now go to Rotherham, put in a performance and by putting in a performance that gives us the best chance of winning the game. That's that, that'll, that'll be the aim. Once Gareth does his work on the training ground, selects his team and the players step across that white line, you know, um, I hear things about, you know, set plays and uh, stuff like that but if you look at recent games you know coaches do all the work they do all the prep coaches then can't go on the pitch and make sure someone tracks a runner for a set play coaches can't step up and convert a penalty coaches can't go and take charge for the second goal against um, Millwall you know so all of that will have been worked on I've been a player you know once those players step across that line pulling that shirt on representing QPR they've got a They've got to start performing. They've got to step up to the plate. They've got to start showing that they are good players. You know, there were 15 games in, not two games in, 15 games in, we were top of the league. You know, so I never thought we were going to stay top of the league, but I certainly know that we're better than what our performances uh, and results are showing at the minute. Saturday gives us a, a, a great opportunity. And because of the nature of the league table, I think if Rotherham beat us, they go above us. So, first and foremost, we don't get beat. We don't get beat. That's not negative. That's a positive mentality. Is you do not get beat against teams in and around you. If we can put in a performance, we can go and get three points, get rid of this 
well, it won't get rid of the run, but it can be the start of a, a, a decent last dozen games, end of the season, where we can finish on a high rather than going to the last couple of games, looking over your shoulder, relying on other results elsewhere. And um, that's the way it is. That's the situation we find ourselves in. But yeah, Rotherham, big game. Say so Rotherham, you said mentioned teams around us. Barham, Watford, Blackpool and Birmingham, complete march. Them two games are then also just as big, aren't they? To do exactly what you just said, don't lose. We know how tough Blackpool away is, especially under the lights, midweek games. It'll be a long journey up there, a long day back. Um, and then Birmingham at home is, again, notoriously well, they're all, not very easy, is it? Yeah, they're all big games. You look at all those games you've mentioned. You know, Rotherham fighting for the lives. Um, Watford fighting for the lives at the, the other end of the table to get themselves back where they think they may belong. You know, uh, Blackpool, they have to start winning games, and a lot of them very, very soon. Birmingham, just below us. You know, so all of those four games have got huge things resting on them, you know, and that's why I think as a player, if I'm in that dressing room, I'll be getting around my teammates. We've got to look forward to these games. Not shy away from them, not duck the issue, not blame injuries, not blame this poor run, not well, poor me, whatever. Is what it is. Let's pull that shirt on. Let's go and play. Let's give our fans who are going to support us home and away something to shout about, get right behind us, and let's see if we can get the lion's share of the points because we need it. I think that's the perfect way to, to wrap it up since thank you as always and I can hear the passion in your voice if you could be playing I know you'd <laughs> want to be out there just as much but <laughs> I wish I could but uh, no and as I say we've, we've mentioned a couple of times you know to our fans difficult times for us you know it's been a horrible couple of months but the team needs you more than ever let's get behind the team come on you awesome.